0: Welcome to the New Mexico News Podcast. Headlines and stories from the land of enchantment. Brought to you by KRQE. Here's Chris McKee and Gabrielle Burkhardt.
1: who started a new business, you'd probably agree it's exciting, scary, overwhelming at times, and there's a lot of logistics on the back end that need to happen before you can even launch your business.
2: that is what more than 2,000 people are now in the process of doing, those who've chosen to dive into the emerging recreational cannabis industry here in New Mexico, with the first retail shops set to open by the latest April 1st of 2022.
1: We've outlined this new law in previous episodes here Here with us to continue our series is KRQE investigative data reporter, Curtis Segara, who recently filed public records requests to find out who and how many people are applying to become cannabis producers. Curtis, thanks for joining us. Thanks for having me.
0: Curtis, uh, I just want to
2: start with the basics. Um, If you can explain what is a cannabis producer, because I know in writing your article, the producer word actually has a little bit more to it, right? When you talk about who's applying for these producer licenses. So what is a producer and who can apply?
0: The simplest level a producer, according to the CCD, is just someone who uh, grows the marijuana plants, but uh, they can do a lot more than that as well. Uh, People will be applying for what's known as a vertically integrated cannabis license, and that allows them to do things like produce uh, and have retail sales, maybe do currying. So at at the heart of it, it's growers, but some folks will be doing a lot more than that. So when you got
2: your request back, about how many people were part of that data that you were able to compile in your article there?
0: When I got the request, which was back in the middle of October. About 1,500 people, uh, 1,500 applications had been started already. Now there's been more than 2,000 applications started, uh, according to the CCD. That's the Cannabis Control Division.
1: So medical cannabis production has already been legal here in New Mexico for a while now. Now that recreational production will be added to the mix, how does that work? Are you finding some medical shops will also sell products to the general public?
0: Well, it's kind of tricky. Actually, uh, the New Mexico Department of Health used to run the medical marijuana program. They handed that over to the Cannabis Control Division. So now the Cannabis Control Division will be handling both medical and recreational cannabis. And those medical producers actually had to reapply under the new law, the new system. And a lot of them have, in the process of reapplying, asked for plant increases, both for the medical side and the recreational side. So it's kind of all under one umbrella now with the Cannabis Control Division.
1: But it looks like some will do both. Yeah. What does the pool of applicants look like based on your data request? And did you recognize any names from your request?
0: So just a disclaimer, this the the data that I got was incomplete. And of course, more people are applying day by day. So The field might change a bit, but what I saw was that about 60% of people listed as being controlling interests or business owners on these applications uh, identified as male. Only 27% of them identified as female, so it is skewing male. It's also skewing white. About uh, 48% of people identified as not Hispanic or not Latino. So it's, it's an industry that folks were hoping would be kind of diverse, and it's not quite as diverse as some folks were uh, anticipating. Um, but again, those are the business leaders, not necessarily employees. So we have to wait to see how the industry develops to see who will really be employed by this industry.
2: So as part of this article as well, you also spoke to a few cannabis producers and I wanted to ask about what their vibe was, you know, what was the thing that motivated them for wanting to join this industry?
0: You know, a lot of people I spoke to had experience with cannabis already, um, whether that was a personal experience with a personal production license for, you know, maybe a medical condition that they had, or had already been working in the um, medical marijuana growing business, uh, working with an existing company. So a lot of folks had some experience, but they wanted to, you know, grow on that experience, start a business, maybe bring cannabis to a community that hasn't really had it before. I talked to a producer looking to bring cannabis to Los Alamos um, and they told me that there really is no place to currently get cannabis uh, medical or recreational in Los Alamos. You have to go to Santa Fe or somewhere else like that. So folks have experience, um, but they're, they're eager to start up new businesses, take on new challenges.
1: Is there a lot of red tape involved that you're seeing so far in obtaining a license, becoming a producer, how hard slash easy is it?
0: I think it really depends on who you ask. And uh, you know, some people will say it's relatively easy, some people will say it's maybe very hard. There's a fair bit of paperwork required, everything from ID requirements, proof of age, uh, demonstration of water rights, uh, demonstration of a business license, zoning approval, a fire inspection for your premise. Uh, So for some applicants, that's pretty doable. You know, they have the experience to get that paperwork done, uh, maybe because they've started a business before, maybe because they've been working in the medical cannabis industry. For other people, particularly smaller, maybe first time applicants, that can be really tough to get that paperwork in. I spoke with some folks that didn't even have a building yet. So, you know, how can they submit zoning approval and a fire inspection when they don't have a building? To handle that kind of catch 22, the Cannabis Control Division has been offering what's called uh, provisional licenses that let you start that application process, it kind of says, look, we're going to get a license. So if they're having trouble finding a business location because they don't have a license yet, they have some sort of proof that they're in the process, but that license does not, that provisional license does not let them start growing or selling marijuana yet.
1: Do you have an idea or, or did you get a sense about how long of a process um, just obtaining a license might take? Because it sounds like there's a lot of logistics that have to take place before you even apply, right?
0: Yeah. I mean, filling out the paperwork is arduous enough. It takes some time to figure out how you're supposed to submit those documents and, of course, to get those documents, you know, to get zoning approval or a fire inspection report. But once you submit the application, the Cannabis Control Division does have 90 days to approve or deny that application. So once fully submitted, that process moves pretty quick. Uh, Cannabis Control Division told me just the other day that they have not approved any licenses yet. They're still within that 90-day window of the first applications coming in.
2: We're here right in uh, mid-November. should be pretty quickly that potentially we might see these first producer licenses going out.
0: Yeah, certainly. It'll be interesting to see who's approved on that first list. And if anybody's denied, uh, there have been some questions about you know, what sorts of things or shortcomings in applications might be uh, grounds for denying an application. And it's a good reminder that the Cannabis Control Division is still creating rules on exactly how to fill out those applications in certain aspects. For example, the Social and Economic Justice Plan, which was part of the law to help communities that have been previously harmed by marijuana laws, by cannabis laws, to get a step into this industry but in the applications that I saw, there was a wide range of um, types of plans and different ideas of what would constitute a social and economic justice plan. When I asked the Cannabis Control Division, they said that they haven't been denying anybody based on you know, shortcomings in those plans yet, but they have, plans to create firmer rules on those plans.
2: There really appears to be a discrepancy between the people who plan to produce a lot of cannabis and those who want to be small, start smaller shops. So an example you mentioned in your recent report here was Sanchez Farms or the Electric Cafe is requesting to produce 18 mature plants. But then there's also some producers planning on growing more than 10,000. Will there be room for smaller shops to survive or is this going to be a business? overrun by these gigantic businesses?
0: It is a big question, and there's a lot of speculation happening on social media and in person. Uh, You know... Let's let's look at the experience of someone who's been in this industry and done this before in other states. I spoke with A.J. Sullins, who has cannabis businesses in Arizona, Michigan, Oklahoma, Florida. You know, he's done this before. He says he's seen this kind of startup happen in other states, where um, new businesses, smaller businesses, they might get washed out because the demand just doesn't quite match the supply. There there might be too many folks out there producing that might lower the price of cannabis and those smaller businesses might not be able to stay in. You mentioned uh, Sanchez Farms, he's one of the smaller folks. Contrast that with some of the larger folks. Uh, AJ Sullins pointed out that Ultra Health is among one of the largest here in the state. You know, They list over 20 business locations across the state. They are one of those producers that has already been in the medical cannabis business here before. So they have the experience, they have cannabis, ready to go already. Contrast that with Sanchez Farms. It's a big difference and it's, it's just going to take some time to see who gets washed out or if they get washed out.
1: And you, you mentioned in your report too that some of the smaller producers might you know, try to support one another.
0: Yeah, a lot of the smaller producers I talked to are, are aware that there's going to be a lot of competition. They expect that. And so they've been looking to support each other. Uh, Sanchez with his Electric Cafe, that's really his goal is to have a place where growers can come together and uh, collaborate, come up with new ideas, test ideas together. And I've heard similar ideas from other small producers too. So it looks like they will be working together to kind of stay in that industry.
2: Well, Curtis, thank you for giving us your expertise on this. I do want to point people to this article if they haven't had a chance to check it out. It is called, Who's Applying to be New Mexico's First Cannabis Producers? You can find it online on krqe.com. What's a good way people can reach you to?
0: Uh, people can always email me, curtis.sagara at krqe.com, or you can find me on Twitter at sagara. Thanks for having me. It's always an interesting time to take a look at this new industry.
2: In the run-up to some of the first producer licenses being sent out, we wanted to hear directly from somebody who has an interest in getting involved in New Mexico's cannabis industry. We talked to one person who is intent on becoming a producer. Victor Zepien joins us, born and raised here in Albuquerque and a prospective cannabis producer now. How exciting is it to sort of be at this precipice of cannabis legalization here? It's very exciting.
3: Um, like you said, born and raised here in uh, Albuquerque, New Mexico. Been growing about eight or nine years and uh, seeing it coming down the pipeline, um, going wreck, the opportunities coming. It's just very exciting Being being involved, being in the you know, like I say, a pioneer pretty much for what's, what's going on in our state.
1: What role has cannabis played like in your life up to this point?
3: My background is uh, truck driving, so I hauled uh, heavy equipment and hazardous materials kind of always been real on the down low. Um, you know, as far as using and consuming, had to always keep it on the down low. Couldn't really talk about it at work with it going, uh, first, you know, medical and then, uh, and then then going rec, I was in the medical scene. I was able to get a, a caregiver card and a, a PPL card. Um, that's how I was able to grow, start a legal grow at my house indoors. And, um, and now with it going wreck, it's, it's pretty much everything I do. I left my job, uh, in February of this year
2: and been pretty much all in. You had mentioned keeping it on the down low, the, um, sort of fear. Can you sort of describe that a little bit? Why was it so important to just sort of not talk about what you do? Well, in my role as a truck driver, it's,
3: it's uh, federally mandated and we're subject to randoms all the time and, um, just, if you get a a dirty drug test on your record as a CDL driver, it stays on your record and affects future employment, it affects your insurability. And so uh, my personal experience, that's where the fear came from, was the dirty drug test in the background and not being able to find employment outside of a CDL driving.
1: What role has it played in your life? Why did you start using cannabis or start growing it? Like, was it for medical reasons? Was it just, you know, recreational?
3: Yeah, using um, recreational, trying in high school. um, And then uh, going from there, it's just expensive to always be buying and just you figured I can grow it. And I started learning how to grow it and I did grew every year outdoor, nothing too fancy, threw some seeds in a pot and grew them outside. About two years ago is when I started to take the growing to the next
2: level, doing more research, better quality, better product. Is that what inspired you essentially was just seeing that this, that New Mexico was probably on the horizon for legalization?
3: Yeah, absolutely. Seeing it on the horizon, knowing that it was coming, you know, not, wasn't sure what year it was happening, but seeing a year after year hitting the, the legislature and, and, you know, getting shot down. But I knew it was coming and um, that's what it was. inspired me knowing the opportunity that's coming, knowing, seeing what's happening in Colorado and California and businesses, just thriving new businesses that don't even exist. Being able to exist now.
1: What are you most looking forward to?
3: The business opportunity. Um, like I said, just having the opportunity to own a business in this industry and, and to own a business that doesn't exist yet here in our state. There's you know, like transportation businesses. There's, um. I I can't really think of too much off the top of my head, but there's so much opportunity and that's ever, even when I was truck driving, my goal was always business, own a truck, do a trucking company, you know, something along that lines and cannabis came along. And while now is my chance to follow what I love and own a business. Going
2: back to just even in the years ahead of recreational stuff, you you had said, you know, you basically were a, a grower, Uh, on the medical side of things, but I guess has there been sort of a gray area for you that perhaps what you're doing with the sort of law and the structure that, that any of it could like get you in trouble at any point, or did you ever feel like it was just sort of hard to stay within the bounds of that medical marijuana program?
3: Definitely always a risk of, of, you know, someone ratting on you or just, you know, anything, just always a risk, definitely. Um, Especially with the DOH, they were real strict on the plant count. And, you know, I was always plant count-ish when I was doing my growing. And so, of course, always that fear. But I mean, it's, it's, like I said, it's what I've, what I've wanted to do. It's, it's, I just want to own a
2: business and in this industry, what is your vision for that business? Do you want to be one of the big producers? Do you want to be one of the small producers? Do you want to have a staff? Like what, what do you see for yourself? That's, that's something I think about every day. Definitely going to start small. Um, definitely
3: want to be a bigger, bigger local producer. I don't think, um, I see us wanting to grow to like an MSO is a multi-state operator, big, which is a big cannabis company operates across multi-states. Um, I would definitely like to keep it small, craft, um, artisan-type cannabis and products. Um, but also, I do see down the line, five, ten years, like I said, big, big companies coming in and wanting to buy a small guys out. And I, I struggle with. I would like to sell the company down the line if the opportunity came, but that compromises what I'm setting out to do right now. So, it's, it's, it's very up in the air. Um, I would like a small staff. Definitely. I would like to keep it micro as much as possible. Keep a small staff, um, keep as much
2: control within the the members as possible. For sure. How intent are you on getting there? You know, um, if we check in with you two years from now, where do you see yourself? Do you think, do you think you're going to have that full storefront and that business and everything? Oh yeah, for sure. Uh, we're hoping that our product will be on some of the first
3: Recreational dispensers when they open up, hopefully here April or maybe sooner.
1: So, what what has the process been like so far? What type of license do you anticipate getting? And you know, what's that application process been like?
3: Nothing set in stone. There is proposed rules and proposed application process. Um, things that you could be working on. The stuff that has to be done. You know, establishing your LLC, finding a location. Um, Getting your your management structure. If you're going to work with growers, are you gonna Are you the grower? Are you the the business owner? We know finding, like I said, you're building and then getting your building cleared as far as water uh, zoning. Obviously, you got to have your finances. Is we're looking to get a micro grow license, which is good for up to 200 mature plants. And uh, as a grower, you got to project out at least six months with no income of of your when you're doing your growing and your drying and your harvesting and your testing and. All that good stuff. Um, so you gotta project that out. Money's tough to come by because there's no uh, loans available for anything in this industry, uh, no lines of credit unless you get a private loan, private line of credit. Um and then uh building-wise um has to be owned outright, can't be mortgaged, can't be bank owned, has to be either be privately owned or owned outright by a landlord. So it's just a lot, a lot of red tape, a lot of hoops to jump through.
1: Wow. So you're not taking this lightly.
3: No, no, heck no, heck no. Um, as far as the application process, they pretty much want the whole business up running operational without plants growing before you can apply. So that's, that's what we're up against as micro grows. The same thing as the big guys, you know, but the big guys obviously have money backing and us micro growers are smaller. We don't have the capital to work with.
1: Are you worried at all though that there could be some competition that the market could get flooded right from the beginning with people like you who just want to go ahead first?
3: I've talked with a lot of people who do want to get involved in the industry. I feel there's um, still going to be a shortage of product when dispensaries start to open just like in every other state that's open recreational. There'll be a shortage no matter how many growers are out there or dispos are open in the beginning. Um, I do see it getting flooded maybe year two, maybe a year and a one and a half, year two. A lot more dispensaries opening because uh, people like us will have already done it and we can help other people. And I do see more locations opening. And like you said, it's getting flooded, definitely, but... Um, I don't see a shortage of demand. No. I don't think demand will go away. Do
2: you feel like this opportunity now opens up, you know, a new chapter of your life? Do you see that for yourself? This is a whole new maybe step forward, a new different path of my life. Absolutely. So like in driving, I pretty much got to the
3: top of driving. Anything above what I was doing, I'd have to go into management and which I knew I didn't want to do. I didn't want to be in a desk um, just managing and Emailing people all day or whatever. Like I said before, I've always wanted to own a business, own a truck, you know, do do something more than you know just just hold the steering wheel, as we we call it in the industry. Um, and seeing this coming, this industry, like I said, we cleaned up our debt. And I seen opportunities coming. I seen at the time when we were doing it, I was just thinking, okay, I'm gonna grow, I'm gonna grow, be a grower, be a grower. But as it becomes more reality, you know, there's more to it. There's the business, there's the taxes, there's all that kind of stuff, and can do it both.
1: So now that we're kind of speaking to uh, New Mexicans in a new format with cannabis being legal here recreationally it hasn't been up to this point so there's probably a lot of people out there who might you know look at this as with some fear you know who might think drugs are bad we don't want our kids using drugs has there been a benefit that you've seen to even using cannabis recreationally and what would you say to some of those folks who just might be concerned that maybe young people will start having you know easier access to cannabis and it not being a good thing
3: well being young from experience in high school, it's, it's not hard to get a hold. Um, Whether it's legal, illegal, medical, recreational, um, kids that want to try it are gonna find a way to get a hold of it for sure. Um but there is always a risk you know obviously it's it's recreational more available there are going to be more chances
1: again parent related I'm a mom too I I know that parents have concerns about this how, how old are your kids
3: Uh 6 and 1 girl and boy
1: So when they get older how do you foresee yourself talking to your kids about it cuz they'll be growing up in a whole different environment right when right. it'll be around it'll right, be right. kind of accessible similar to alcohol
3: Um so right now my son's 6 he he's very inquisitive. Yep. Ask a lot of questions and you know, they're just right now, just dad's plants. Um, just dad's plants. And that's all he knows. You know, there's not, it's not anything bad. It's not, it's just the same kind of plants. Just, you know, I have them inside and there's plants outside and that's all. And I think, uh, moving forward, like you said, as parents teaching them that it's not bad or not necessarily teaching them, but not being so negative about it you know what I mean and and so reacting so negative all the time when it's talked about or oh no no you can't that's you know that's weed no 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 you know it's a, when it's as similar as like going to a party and adults drinking beer you know kind of you know smoking smoking a joint go smoke outside yeah. similar to cigarettes cigarette smoke you go smoke outside you know what's not
1: so like keeping boundaries with your children but right. also like informing them about it or just maybe educating right them. exactly and,
3: and not educating like, oh, that this is bad because it used to be illegal and it's still kind of is illegal. So it's bad. Do
1: you find it detrimental as a young person? You tried it. Did you feel like it altered your ability to function?
3: Definitely could function for sure. Um, you know, I, I did my job professionally, no accidents, no incidents ever. I'm not saying that I would go to work, you know, after smoking or whatever, but it in your system I know the belief is all oh, it's in your system and oh you you could be high all the time I guess but no definitely not true and
1: did you find any benefits from using it
3: uh, benefits definitely stress relief uh, for sure you know after a hard day at work come home and, and definitely relax stress relief I, similar to a beer you know people like to come home have a glass of wine or a beer come home have a smoke um, definitely relaxing you know have a good time and um, very social. You have events at your house and events with other other people, and and it's social. Definitely a benefit. I would say more more so than a lot of people drinking and getting drunk it isn't as social at the end as a lot of people smoking.
2: What is the next
3: step for you? Signing the lease on the building. We have a building that uh, pretty much we've cleared with water, cleared zoning, um, writing up uh, a good lease, and getting it signed and locking down the building Uh, in Bernalillo County, hopefully in the South Valley. So that's one thing too where where me and the other members are talking about It's kind of like it's in the rougher part of town. So that's kind of a one hurdle too that we've been talking about a lot, but that's pretty much the next step is finding the building. Once we find the building, um, we can start with our build out security, whatever we need to do.
1: I mean, is there any sort of message that you would say to people again, who just maybe aren't as informed about what this process has been like?
3: Like I said, I'm, I'm born and raised here in Albuquerque. I have a high school diploma. I'm no one special. All the information I found is online. Um, everything that I've learned has been online and, and just making phone calls just like having the drive, having the passion just to do it and, and sticking your neck out there, getting out of your comfort zone. Um, nothing happens. Nothing happens in your comfort zone.
1: Ultimately, you feel like this will be a good thing for New Mexico.
2: Absolutely. Absolutely. For sure. A big thank you to Curtis Segara here, our KRQE News 13 investigative data reporter, and Victor Zepien for sharing their insight with us this is an industry we will continue to check in on.
1: In the meantime, check out our website, krqe.com slash podcasts, for more articles about this topics and every other episode we've published so far. If you have any feedback or story tips, ideas, reach out. I'm at gabrielle.burkhard at krqe.com or gburknm on Twitter.
2: And I'm Chris McKee, and that is Chris McKee at krqe.com or Chris McKee TV on Twitter. We appreciate you listening.